Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Monday, the 14th of December, 2020. What is eternal life? You might say in response to that question, eternal life is living forever with God in heaven. While that's certainly part of it, what if I told you that Jesus Christ explained it differently? What if I told you when Jesus Christ explained what eternal life is, he wasn't necessarily thinking just about a quantity of life, that you will live forever, that he was talking about a quality of life, an experience that was so rich and so worthy, and that really came down to not what you were doing, but who you knew. Today, we look at John chapter 17, verses 1 through 19, and we see Jesus really give an explanation of what eternal life is all about. And we, we see Jesus in this chapter, uh, he's done necessarily just teaching his disciples, and now he's praying to his father. And he says, starting in verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Wow. So Jesus, when he's explaining what eternal life is, and this is eternal life, he doesn't, as I said, define it by a quantity of life, just living forever, Although we do see in scripture, that's clearly true for believers. We will live forever with the Lord in heaven, but it's the quality that he is focused on here that eternal life comes from knowing the father and knowing Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that's something, eternal life is not something we are merely meant to look forward to as Christians. Eternal life is something that we are meant to live right now. That today you should be experiencing, if you are a believer in Christ, you should be experiencing the eternal life that comes from knowing God and from knowing his son, Jesus Christ. And even that, we get to later in this passage, like verse 13, but now I am coming to you And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That we should be living a life that is characterized by joy. And even we think of the other fruits of the Spirit, because we know God. And that will set us apart from the world. He talks about him giving us his word and that we are distinct from the world. In verse 16, it says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So we see we should have this eternal life of knowing God that's going to set us apart from the world, that's going to draw us to the truth, that's going to draw us to the word, and is going to send us out to share that eternal life with others. So, We see some very important things here, I think, about eternal life. It's not just talking about a 
quantity of life. It's talking about a quality of life. And we need to remember as Christians, this eternal life is not just something that we are meant to look forward to. It's something we are meant to live today. And really this eternal life that comes from knowing God, that should be the most precious thing to us. So that even if someone were to threaten our physical life, that would count as not much of anything to us because of our devotion and our appreciation of the life that we have in Christ. And that gets me thinking about what we see in Revelation today. Revelation chapter 14. Now, the the chapter break, if you don't think about what we read last week, will will throw us off because we ended talking about the mark of the beast in the end of of chapter 13. Well, today... It talks about a different mark. It says in verse one, then I looked and behold, on Mount Zion stood the lamb and with him, 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So we see uh, this mark of the beast, which would either go on the right hand or the forehead, which would be his name or the number of his name. And here in chapter 14, we see this contrast uh, of these 144,000. And what do they have? The name of the beast? No, the name of the lamb and his father's name written on their forehead. And those at some point that have the mark of the beast, well, they're the favored ones in the eyes of the world because they're the ones that can that can buy and they're the ones that they can they can trade right they can still participate in this world system uh the the others the 144,000 they're the outcasts which would you rather be though would you rather be in with the world and committed to the beast or what would you rather be the outcast but have the name of Christ on your forehead the, the father's name on your forehead and this is where I think we start to see eternal life played out. And we even see Jesus. We remember, he says, hey, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And we would much rather lose it all in this life, but have the eternal life that even in this life comes from knowing the Father, knowing the Son. And that should be so precious to us that that's what we want. That's what we're committed to. And that's what we see. Uh, It's so interesting as it describes these 144,000. It says in verse four, it is these who have not defiled themselves with women for they are virgins. It is these who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the lamb. And in their mouth, no lie was found for they are blameless. We see these people, what they want to do, they want to follow the lamb. The world, take the world, give me Jesus, as the old song says. That's what these people in this future time, that's what they're living. What are you living in this current time? Is your mindset, take the world, give me Jesus, because I want him and I want the eternal life that comes from him and knowing him right now. I think we also see that image as we go back to Psalms today. We see uh, just the passion we should have for God. So we look at the first six verses of Psalm 143. It says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in the darkness like those long dead. 
Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. So here we see somebody that he he is seemingly the outcast. His enemy seems to be prevailing, but he knows God. He has a reservoir of life. He has a spring of living water within his own soul that he can draw from by remembering the days of old, meditating on all that God has done, pondering the work of his hands, stretching out his hands, thirsting uh, for God. That's a thirst that we can know as Christians will always be quenched. So as we think about these things, uh, it's really important for us to examine our own lives today. Do I have a passion for God? Is the most valuable thing in my life knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ? Because that's what eternal life is all about. And even when we do think about heaven, and we should think about heaven, it's going to be awesome. The first thing we should be excited about heaven for is being with the Lamb, uh, being with God and seeing his glory because that's what eternal life is all about. Eternal life isn't about just the stuff. It's about knowing God. And that's going to be the best part of eternity in heaven is that it will be with the Lord. But I want us to think, is that characterizing our lives today? Do we have a richness of life because we know the Lord? We should. We should. Finally, we read the whole book of Joel today, a whole book of Joel. And clearly the book is set in uh, some in the aftermath of some kind of invasion. It refers to it as a locust invasion. Now, there's some debate whether this was actual locusts or whether this, you know, locust invasion that it speaks of is symbolic of, you know, some kind of military uh, invasion that they experienced. And really, whichever way you slice it, whatever opinion that you hold, it's clearly been devastating to the nation of Israel. And also, I think it's clearly been an act of judgment from God upon them because we see God calling them to repentance. In chapter 2, verse 12, he says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. And then this is the part I really want us to focus in here in the book of Joel. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. And so here we see clearly the call of the book of Joel is to repent, even in the wake of the serious consequences of sin. And there might be some of you listening today that uh, you right now need to hear this message of repentance that you are getting into some kind of sin or you're walking in sin and you need to turn from it today. You need to seek the Lord and you need to stop making a show of it and you know, crying your tears and repenting on the outside and repenting from the heart. As it says, rend your heart and not your garments. Uh, enough, you know, just of these apologies, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, to appease other people when what you need is a broken heart before the Lord for what you have done. And maybe there's some of you listening to this podcast that uh, you have done that. 
but you've sinned and you've experienced as a kind of a consequence of your sin, you have experienced the locust invasion. And again, for you, it probably really has not been a literal locust invasion, but your life uh, has been damaged. Your life has been uh, destroyed in some senses because of your sin. Your sin has blown up in your face and you have come to God in repentance. Well, what message is there for you? Well, that's where I think this verse is one of the most encouraging verses in all of the Bible, where it talks, when he's talking to these people that he wants to repent, it talks about the pity that God will have for them. And I love verse 25 of chapter two, where in the wake of this locust invasion, God makes this promise. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you're experiencing the painful consequences of sin in your life right now, obviously the first step is you need to repent from the inside out. But the good news that you can hold on to today is that we serve a God who restores. He can restore the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And maybe that's even how you feel. You feel that years of your life now have been gobbled up because of your sin. We serve a God who can restore that. We serve a God that offers satisfaction and plenty and deals wondrously with his people. And really we have to see what that all is gonna come back to is that we serve a God that the best thing is knowing him. That's what it's all about. That is the eternal life that even if you've experienced the locust invasion, you can still have the eternal life that comes from knowing the Father and knowing Jesus Christ. Eternal life, not just now, but forever. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.